Welcome to the Untaming Femininity Podcast. I'm Igena Gerasi. And I'm Sam Allen. And we believe that untamed women are real and powerful. Our podcast is all about inspiring curious women like you to speak and live your truth and to express your femininity on your own terms. Tune in for your weekly dose of depth, lightness and heartfelt shares. Well, a very warm welcome to episode 48 of the Untaming Femininity podcast. Can you believe it, Megana? That's really crazy, 48. And how many connections we have created in this podcast. That's amazing. I know. It's just, it's been such a journey, hasn't it? And um, talking about journeys, <laughs> there is one journey that I am super curious about finding out more about today. And you know which one that is, right? <laughs> I know that's why I'm I'm having my nervous laugh. <laughs> well, thank you for being my guest. Uh, it's time to turn the tables. Here we were a couple of weeks ago, um, and you were interviewing me, and I remember also feeling nervous like that. And then by the end of it, I was super calm because you just made me feel so at ease at speaking to my truth. Oh, and I trust the same is going to happen for us here as well, because yes, definitely, I'm a little nervous and excited at the same time but I trust the process all feelings welcome here in this space <laughs> and you know our favorite hashtag fuck perfection exactly <laughs> yes so Magena, I would love to start by asking you if you were to sort of get to the heart of your journey and in a nutshell how it all started what would that be as my dad used to say, he whispered to my mom and I was born. So I stay with that truth of how it all started. <laughs> yeah, well, in a nutshell, born and raised in Albania. And it was during those times, like I was 10 years old when the whole communism collapsed. So I've been through through that period of like the first 10, 10 years of my life were very calm and very loving family raised with two brothers but the rest after 10 years a lot of uh, unrest was present because the regime collapsed and a lot of not safety feelings happened in that moment yeah I can imagine and how did that feel at the time like what was that experience like well as a 10 years old I don't think I realized that much at that time, what was happening, like, of course, the whole carpet was removed under the feet, right? And the safety and everything was changing around, you know, because you can see that in the eyes of your parents, in everywhere, people around you. So, so it was a lot of insecurity that manifested at that time. And I think even though, you know, my parents were doing their best to keep us safe and to kind of have some reassurance that everything is going to be okay. But I guess you sense as, as a kid that, okay, this is, these are big changes. Yeah. And I remember because there was also a lot of hope for what was coming, you know, and I remember as well with my parents, we would go to some kind of demonstrations and gatherings where the new party, the democratic party was taking over and there was a lot of promises and there was a lot of hopes and a lot of dreams Right. So, so I remember there was this dichotomy of 
and safety, insecurity, uncertainty versus hope and dreams and a future that uh, you you would want to have more freedom and more more options, more opportunities. Wow, so much to ingest as a young person. And I'm actually struck by how aware you were at that age of that kind of mixture of feelings and moods coming towards you. Is that always been the case with you? Did you always kind of feel it all? I don't know if I was that aware at that moment, right? I think it's now looking back with the eyes that I can see what I had been going through. I think at that moment was more of connection, presence, support, protection, I guess, with the family. And I remember because that was the start of all the unrest in Albania and and everything afterwards. But I remember it as well because we had a civil war and we had some curfews after. And looking back, like the nice feeling that I had at those moments, what it was, it's just like, because we had curfews in the evening. So the whole family was together. And I loved those moments. I really loved being together, staying together, telling stories or doing games together, you know, just that togetherness in the midst of everything chaotic that was going around. So I think that was my anchor and that was my survival source or the source of joy and the source of love at that moment. And you bring that so much into the present. When I think of you, you're so much about shared experience. And um, you invite that in the spaces that you hold and in the company that you keep. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I love I love that part of being together with uh, different people, you know, eating together, like like making food for a lot of people. The gatherings I love. I love having family around. And I mean, friends for me are family as well. So having people around feeding people. (laughs) (laughs) You're a nurturer. (laughs) yes I love that part I definitely do so how did all of that shape the person that you are today well that's a lovely question um it has its negatives as its positives right (laughs) definitely definitely as what I see as a little bit still the the negative effect the negative impact that it has had is that it has made me quite uh super vigilant person you know a little bit like not fully I wouldn't say trusting but but there is there is this thing of being a vigilant of when the next shoe is going to drop off or when is the next thing going to happen so so there is a little bit of this distrust I would say again and then the positive side or the the positive impact that it has had is that it definitely has made me have a different perspective on life, different perspective on connection, on love, on family, on friends, on things that value the most uh, to me and that are the most important to me. And also in life in general, in terms of nothing is constant, things do change. And it's about appreciation and being grateful for the things that I have right now and the people that are present in my life right now. Wow, I love the way how that story lived has built this kind of flexibility, agility and resilience in you. Yes, absolutely. For those people listening right now that maybe are living through a difficult situation, time, phase of their life, what would you kind of advise them in terms of resilience? Like how can they access that in themselves? 
Mm. But you know, resilience is a big, big issue. Like, of course, there have been moments in my life where I'm like, I feel powerless. I feel like a victim. Things happen to me. Like, why the heck? Oh, everything happens to me. Why was I not born in a different place? It's like that is the the victim, the victim mentality. And I have accessed it quite quite often at some period. So I cannot say that I'm an angel or that I have found the key to that. But for me, the, that key has been very much found in the love of the people that I have around me. And that has given me a lot, this resilience. Okay, begin again. There is always hope. Nothing is constant. This too shall pass. Because I think I've also have quite a strong foundation in my family when it comes to love and role models of, okay, like we have been through this. So how can we get out of this? What can we do to make the best of it? Or sometimes it has also been just survival, right? So I guess those instincts are quite strong in, in a person. So it's that part of finding, maybe it's, it's just like a little rope of hope in the midst of where everything might seem very gloomy and helpless. So finding that rope of light or a rope of hope where you hang on to that and you trust that things will change and you surrender as well. Oh, I love that. Especially the rope of hope as a poet, you know, that feels like it could be the first line of a poem again. Um, and, you know, I'm saying that with a smile and at the same time, it touched my heart deeply to hear that because that's an intentional place that you come from when you choose to see that rope. And I see in you how that resilience helps you to choose positively, you know, whatever is being thrown your way. Mm. What I notice about you, Megena, is you have this ability to reframe things. You know, when you were saying just a moment ago about begin again and this too shall pass and, you know, you have this way of identifying the limiting thought, belief, whatever in an experience and then kind of spinning it round. How do you manage to do that? Like, what's the key with that? Mm. What's the alternative? <laughs> True. <laughs> true <laughs> you know it's like there are some guidelines or there are some agreements that I've made with myself I think quite young in a way things that fall into my life or that happen into my life there is there is always as I see there is always a learning and there is a, always an opportunity for growth and that I'm very grateful for that I think I've had it quite maybe in my teenage years as an attitude so in the sense that okay this is happening what am I learning from it? Otherwise, it will keep repeating itself and it will become bigger. Yeah. And talking about those repetitive patterns, what's one of those that's in your life that, you, you know, you may be still kind of struggling with and keeps rearing its head? Yes. How much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> no, but one thing that I'm actually still working on today is, um, is the hypervigilant where um, I think I'm, I'm very vigilant into things that are happening, uh, different behaviors around me. And sometimes I don't like my, that part of myself where I'm actually noticing every small thing. Mm -hmm. And being a coach for better or for worse, that's also one of the curses where it's just like you notice and you have this third level listening on the, the reading of the space or reading of body language versus 
what the words are saying. So, so you know, and, and sometimes I really want to shut that off and let it go because I feel what it does, this hypervigilant, you know, that I'm tense and I'm alert. And even though I work a lot with me being grounded and being calm and being fully present, I do succeed. And I still have things that I need to work on as well there. I love what you're speaking to there. It reminds me of a quote that's just been sent to me, actually. (laughs) And it says, beneath every behavior, there is a feeling. And beneath every feeling is a need. And when we meet that need, rather than focus on the behavior, we begin to deal with the cause, not the symptom. (laughs) And isn't that a process? It is a process. It is a process. Yes, absolutely. It's beautiful quote. And I think the need here is the need for trust and the need for connection and the need for surrender as well. And you're so great at building trust and connection. And I can speak from firsthand experience, you know, (laughs) we met what, two years ago and in the space of this time, wow, what a relationship we've created in everything we do. Um, And as I said in the episode where you were interviewing me, you have this ease of connection. Uh, Mm -hmm. I would love for you to share with our listeners how how do you make that happen, you know? (laughs) Or maybe you don't even have to try, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. There is the um, seeing behind the facade. I think the, the deepest need for everyone or maybe I'm generalizing, I don't know. But I guess as human beings, we have the need to connect with others, right? We do need to, to feel belonging and part of the flock. And I think it is looking behind that initial facade that we all put, like those masks that we put on and, and connecting to the heart and the soul of the other person. And, you know, like not disregarding anyone or myself better than or worse than, but it's just meeting eye to eye and being curious about who this person in front of me is. And I I know that comes naturally sometimes as well, like the need to put them into boxes and who they are and stuff. And still being curious, okay, who's underneath all that, right? And I think that's where the connection comes uh, easy because I think connecting to the person behind the mask or behind the roles or behind behind what we pretend to be sometimes as well. I mean, and and I'm not saying I have succeeded 100% at that because, you know, sometimes a lot of different layers come into play as well, right? The the layers of what is this person triggering in me? What kind of insecurities are being triggered? And what kind of self-limiting beliefs and all all that shit that, that we work on, right? You have so much curiosity and you always just make me feel free to be me, you know, and I so appreciate that about you. (laughs) And um, maybe that's one of the best compliments, Sam. Thank you. (laughs) It's so true. And um, yeah, maybe you're not going to particularly enjoy the next question. I'm going to ask it anyway. Do it. And that is what triggers you the most and why? (gasps) (laughs) We're going into a coaching or therapy session, (laughs) Sam. anything (laughs) no but you know what because I've been working a lot with myself right for for many many years I think since I was a teenager and the thing is like how I see triggers now it's in a way it has nothing to do with the other person like it's all parts of me that want some attention or that wants to be healed that want to to come to the surface and have a voice (laughs) So it's in a way, I'm grateful to the triggers, even though I 
definitely do not enjoy them. And uh, it's just like, for me, it's like a bell that, okay, this side of you needs to be healed or needs some attention or needs to be let go of or to be accepted or not to seem judgmentally or, you know, to be understand it, to be forgiven. So, so that's how I see triggers. And recently I have been triggered. I think I'm in a space of, it hasn't been really good period recently when, when it comes to connection to self. So I've been triggered a lot about being judged and being put into, into a corner, not being accepted for who I am, because I have this part of me that's quite spontaneous and very eccentric as well. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Yes, but sometimes that's that's also not welcomed. Not that it's not welcome, but it might trigger something into into other people. And my first reaction is always like, okay, go back to me. It's like, oh shit, what did I do there? What is there for me to learn? And you know, one of my friends, she gave a different perspective. It's like, why is it that it's actually you that need to learn there? What if this was a, le- a lesson to be learned from the other side as well? So now I'm opening th- that door as well. So. So we'll see what happens. What I hear in everything you share there is about looking at things with a little bit of distance, you know, not getting so over-identified in the triggers, <laughs> whether it's you, them or whatever, you know, but actually taking that step back and looking upon circumstances with, like you say, openness and curiosity and, and you know, giving it time for the answer to come forth. Yeah, absolutely. You're right about that. I think it's one of the tools that I use the most when it comes to working also, you know, with triggers, limiting beliefs, inner critics, is the observation part, me taking a step back and observing what is it? What does it want? What what does it need? Why is it showing up now? So all that being, yeah, as you said, the curious part and the non-judgmental part, being the observer. Yeah, I'm remembering the amazing workshop that you gave when we did our self-love festival earlier on this year, Taming the Inner Critic. I attended it and it was just great because you had us personifying some of those inner critics that come up. I can't even remember which one it was, but I remember writing a poem, of course, (laughs) about this critic. Um, Don't worry, I'm not going to share it today. (laughs) No poetry for today. And um, anyway, the process of listening to its voice, imagining it as a character and then writing about it really liberated me, Megana, because I realized, wow, this is just an expression of something. It's not me, you know, I don't have to over-identify with that. And yeah, it really liberated me. Mm. What has led you to that work and what do you enjoy most about it? Mm. Oh, first of all, well, Thank you. And I'm happy to hear that because I think that part working with inner criticism, working with limiting beliefs, to me personally, it has brought so much freedom and so much joy. So, and that's what I want to bring even more to the world. And what has led that, I mean, there are several, several circumstances in my life that has led to work with that, right? I think every day, every moment is an opportunity to (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to be honest with ourselves and, and see clearly what is it that that we're actually doing, you know, instead of going from the automatic pilots to the conscious choice and and being the, the leader of who we are. So, yeah, a lot of circumstances in my life 
have led to that, but definitely be, becoming a coach has been the journey that has applied me as well with even more tools to work with uh, inner critics and limiting beliefs. Yeah, and you really free up a dialogue because I notice, you know, when you and I are aligning in a meeting or whatever, when we're doing our work together, it feels very natural with you to talk about these different inner critics that might arise. So, you know, like whether it's the victim or like you say, the hypervigilant or the controller or whatever, there's so many of these voices, right? Um, what I love in our conversations is that you help us to name those things and not get attached to them, smile at them and then to move forward. And that's a real gift that you have. Oh, thank you, yeah. Well, they are present, right? <laughs> it's more of how, how much space you wanna to give to them and how much are they controlling your life and are you controlling them? Yeah, love that. And I know that you've spoken to me in the past where we've, we've had conversations around the pleaser. <laughs> Can you tell us a bit more about that and how that has impacted your truth? <laughs> oh no, that's a big <laughs> journey that I still am on. And the pleaser has been one of my biggest, biggest inner critics. And what I've noticed with that is that I lose myself. Generally, I'm, I'm very generous and wanted to do things for others. And I don't think I will ever want to lose that side of me. But where it becomes, you know, dysfunctional is when I lose myself in the process, when I'm so much more on the other side rather than keeping my own lane, like being on my own lane. And of course, giving and receiving and being generous and everything pleasant and nice and kind and but the moment where I overdo and I step over the lane and stay over the other lane for way way too long then then it becomes dysfunctional then I lose myself and it does so much as well to the self-worth and the self-confidence because because then I'm not connected to myself and yeah. to my values and I'm sure many women listening are going to be able to relate because, again, making a bit of a generalization here, but I think many women are raised to be pleasers as well. So hence that kind of attachment to that role. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's not just a cultural thing. I think it's, it's an international thing. Girls are raised with being a good girl. Yeah. And, you know, being a good girl meant you don't have a voice. You just do what you're told. And also all my life, it has been a journey of accepting, forgiving, like the circumstances that it was created and then saying also goodbye and removing myself from that and figuring out who am I without the good girl. And who are you, McGenna? I'm wild. <laughs> and you better keep that in this podcast <laughs> just because you're the editor. Don't think you can take that bit out. <laughs> Oh, what I love about you is that um, we can have these conversations about truth, about struggles, about inner critics, you know, cultural challenges. And again, with this kind of flow. Yeah, when I think of you, I think of water. <laughs> There's something that's constantly flowing. Thank you. And um, I think yep. that, again, that's what makes it so easy to, to work with you is that that flow feeling. Oh, I am a water, water sign after all. Yeah. So how do you stay in the flow whilst living your truth? That's a beautiful question. So I do definitely have moments when I feel like I am off, off course 
and and I'm not connected to myself. So as I think a priority right now in my life has always been also with the work I do and with uh, with the life that I have now, that connecting to self and being being present is a priority. So so I definitely have a routine where I do take care of that connection and that groundness. It's like gym for the mind, for the soul, for the body. So that's that's the self-love at the moment. And definitely helps me be in flow and keep afloat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you definitely live by that. And I'm smiling also because I'm thinking of us and how we often ask each other the same question. <laughs> and my favorite question is always, how do you feel? And your favorite question is always, you're going to say it, McGinna, because you know it. You need what you need yeah and um you know all joke aside there that's a powerful question to ask ourselves and others and in that share what I hear is the constant checking in with that Mm. and of course we don't always manage to meet those needs even though we've articulated them but the first step always is asking or being asked right yeah, yeah, because yeah. asking those questions, it's you get an opening to even more intimacy and understanding and and also not making assumptions, because if I put myself into your situation, I might need something completely different. Right. So so it's it's about clearing those assumptions and and thinking that we know it all as well. That arrogance of, yeah, I know what you know, I've been through that. Well, Magena, thank you so much for sharing your truth your experience, your wisdom, your flow, and so much more. Honestly, right now, I have this feeling of real gratitude to know you, to work with you, and to spend this time with you. Um, You are a beautiful human being, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I'm so glad for our listeners that they've been able to hear just a fraction of your truth today. Truly. You're going to make me cry now. <laughs> You're allowed to cry. It's your podcast. <laughs> and honestly, uh, thank you, Sam. Thank you because you made this this possible. I didn't know where we were going to go today. And, and you know, it's just like, as, as I said, I trust the process and I trust you and I trust our connection, our relationship. So thank you. Thank sure. you for making this possible. Warm, fuzzy feelings this end. <laughs> and... Um, Really, just to bring this arc to a close, I would love to ask you, just taking all of your truth and story into heart, into consideration, what one word would you choose to name it by? Courage. Here's to courage, Magena. Here's to courage and love. Well, what an interview with Megena today and um, what an amazing exploration into courage, resilience, taming the inner critics, reframing, connecting with self. And if you too would like to explore how to connect with yourself on a deeper level to really get in touch with who you are beyond those limiting beliefs and how you want to show up fully, unapologetically and colourfully in this world as a leader in your life, professionally and personally, please do join our next Vibrant Females Conscious Leadership Programme beginning Wednesday 6th of October from 5 until 7 Central European Summer Time. We'll pop the registration details into the podcast notes. 
It will be our third program and wow, what an experience it is to witness you amazing ladies in your transformation process. Thank you for listening to the Untaming Femininity podcast. Join our inspiring tribe of women on Facebook to experience a deeper connection with yourself and to feel the empowerment of female solidarity. Tune in next Sunday for your weekly dose of depth, lightness and heartfelt shares.